0: Doug, welcome back, man. Good to have you here. Uh, well, Bay City, it's great to see you. I tell you, it's been uh, uh, 18 months since I was last in New Zealand. And um, I, I tell you, New Zealand, do you guys know how beautiful New Zealand is? Oh, my word, it's stunning. It's an incredible place. I, I tell you, I was talking to uh, a uh, young Chinese woman who was sitting alongside me on the on the plane on the way over, and, and it's always fun talking to the Chinese because I speak in Chinese, and uh, so when they see this white face talking to them in Chinese, they they're like, "Ah, <laughs> how do you know how to speak Chinese?" So anyway, I was chatting with this uh, young woman, and she said, "I'm I'm here to to travel," and she said, "I hear that New Zealand is really beautiful." I said let me tell you how beautiful our nation is our nation i said when i come when i fly in to our our uh, great city our biggest city auckland i said i'm so overwhelmed with the beauty of the sea and the incredible place i said i nearly cry and that's the truth you know i mean i'm just so deeply moved with it because where i live <laughs> where i live i live in a concrete jungle with gray and dust and nastiness pretty much all around. So uh, being here in the fresh air and uh, just being able to enjoy that and the beautiful people here in this place is just, I tell you, we're blessed. Do you know that you're blessed this morning? Amen. Tell someone next to you, I'm blessed. (laughs) Wow, it's uh, great to see so many old friends again, and uh, you know, I I came to Bay City uh, some 22 years ago, about the same time as Bryden and Sharon, 22 years, so uh, actually uh, 23 years, yeah, yeah, 23 years, so... uh, my history here goes back a long way, but I, I realize that some of you here probably don't know me from a bar of soap, so uh, <laughs> so I'll just introduce a little bit about me and uh, what we do. 20, uh, 23 years ago, I came to this place and uh, just grew up and grew in faith in this place, and uh, you know, I recognize some friends from way back. It's wonderful to see you, Linda, and... and uh, I think I saw Terry, uh, Terry Naroro on the, on the base before. Where's Terry? Wow, man, it's good to see you. It's great to see you. So those are friendships. And Dave and Kate, of course, would go back a long, long time. So, uh, uh, yeah, so uh, six years, nearly six years ago, five and a half years ago, my wife, Kalinda, and uh, our three beautiful children, um, three beautiful girls, I moved to China, and uh, we live in the in the extreme southwest of China, and uh, I work there uh, with the underground church, the illegal church, training pastors and leaders. We work with a with a, a training center uh, that's it's a safe house where we have students who come from all over the nation. And from some of them, uh, they travel for days on trains to, uh, to be with us. Most of them are rural pastors and uh, uh, pastoring churches in uh, little remote areas. And uh, they come and they live in the center uh, for uh, upwards to to three months at a time. And they live in secret. It's a safe house. What we do is illegal. And the nation that I live in, it's a communist nation. And they don't like the Christian church. There is uh, an approved government church. And if you're a part of that, you're okay. Um, but they control everything that, that they do. So there is an enormous underground or illegal or unregistered church and uh, that's made up of, of people just like you and I who love Jesus Christ and want to do their best to live out their lives with faith and strength. And, uh, yeah, but uh, they are unwelcome um, by, uh, by the government forces and they suffer a, a lot because of it. And... Uh, so, yeah, we run a safe house when they come in. They can't all come in at once. Uh, they come in in ones and twos. Once they arrive, the door is closed, and uh, they stay in that place for uh, the entire time the training's going on. They're not allowed to go out um, because of, of any suspicions that, that might be raised. For them, there's a, an enormous amount of risk. If they're, if they're caught there, uh, they can be imprisoned or beaten or both. Uh, and if i 'm caught with them it 's even worse for them and uh, it 's bad for me also because I get kicked out of the country so so uh, that 's what we live in. Um, I love what we do. My wife very early on from uh, from arriving there she 's always had a passion to work with uh, with child prostitutes and uh, and with women who have been trafficked into the sex industry so uh, so within a very short time, she started in that work and started rescuing girls from the street, rescuing um, uh, young women. Some of them as as young as twelve, and uh, yeah, they didn't choose that kind of work. They were forced into that work. They've got no way out of that work unless someone can help them. They do that work until they die. Uh, that's that's their lives. So uh, I've got a, a little video clip that um, uh, if, we can, if we can just run that now, it'll give you a bit of an introduction because it's hard getting, getting your head around exactly what happens. So if we're ready to run with that, I'd be great. Yeah, so that's the reality of it. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the situation is so bleak. But, uh, you know, there is such incredible hope in it. And uh, when you see a life rescued, when you see someone saved out of that kind of appalling situation, you know, there is just an incredible, incredible joy that comes with that. And you guys are partners with that. You guys help us with that. Without you guys, we couldn't do what we do. So, yeah, give the Lord a hand. So uh, l- let me share just a, a one really, really neat thing. If we can have a look at the first uh, slide on my PowerPoint. Uh, 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 you know, this is a, a testimony that just happened. Okay, so this is my beautiful wife, and she's holding uh, a, little, a little baby that's only, only two or three days old. Now, six weeks ago, my wife and her team were in a red light area. And they were, they were sharing um, with the girls and the mafia in that area. And they happened they happened to share with a young woman who was heavily pregnant. This woman was, uh, had been working in the bars and uh, had got pregnant. And um, she had actually, by some a, incredible stretch, uh, she had refused an abortion. Normally, they will work until they're pregnant. They'll abort the baby. And uh, they don't have contraception. They have no idea of, of, of how to protect themselves in any way. So they'll work until they get pregnant, and they'll abort. They'll work until they're pregnant, and then they'll, work, uh, they'll abort. And they do that cycle through and through and through uh, and, uh, until their bodies are, are literally ruined. And, uh, but this young woman, she had refused. She had refused an abortion, and she had resisted the pressure and uh, the people who had been controlling her, sometimes they would just literally take them to the hospital and force an abortion. Even if the baby is about to, uh, uh, to be born, uh, they will abort the baby right up. And, and in fact, while it's been born, they will kill the baby. Uh, that's true, okay? That's not, I'm not stretching this at all. That's the reality of it. And um, anyway, I guess they'd been hoping that they would uh, just put enough pressure on this girl that she would kill the baby but they hadn't counted on some crazy people being out there sharing in the red light area about the love of God and that there was a way out for this girl. So so this girl, she turned up. Okay, so that was six weeks ago. I go a week later, she turned up in the shelter just with the clothes, the dress that she was wearing. She did not even have shoes. She had nothing. She turned up into the shelter. She was welcomed in. And then last week, this baby was born. So, I, you know what? That baby is alive and has some hope of a future because of the goodness of God and because people like you and I who believe that we can make a difference in the world, people like you and I who are crazy enough to think that. This world can be transformed for good. And I believe that with all of my heart. Do you believe that this morning? Come on. You see, we live in a nation that is basically filled up with good people. Yeah, I know there's some rotten eggs. There's some, there's some bad ones. But basically, Kiwis are good people. Even if they're a long way from God, they're good people. We can trust our police force. We can trust them. Because basically they're good people who care about others. How is it? How is it that we have this? It's because we have an inheritance. An inheritance that's been influenced by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where human lives are valuable. Human human lives are precious. Precious. That you don't deliberately hurt people. You don't deliberately use people and rip people off. How do we have that? We have that only through the influence of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Only. You see, the people in the nation that I live, they're not any more evil than you and I. They don't do the things, the horrific things that they do because they're any more evil than us. They do them because they have never been influenced or touched by the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is power in the message of Jesus Christ. There is power that changes lives. And so over the time of being there, I've seen lives, hard lives, people who have done unspeakably evil things. And I've seen them transformed. I've seen them transformed. And that's the power of the, of, of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. It isn't an empty story. It has power, spiritual power that changes lives. We're part of that. We're part of what God's doing on the earth. And I tell you, it's an exciting, exciting journey. So let me share with you from uh, the Word of God today. And uh, is anyone ready for some encouragement from the Word today? Yeah? So I- I've shared with you some exciting things. And, uh, and-, and I tell you, I-, I don't have any regrets in what we do. We-, we love what we do. But we also live under an enormous, enormous pressure. An excruciating pressure at times. And I want to share with you some, some secrets of how to live through, live through a storm, live through a storm. So let me ask you, have you ever had an experience or a set of experience that seemed to spring out from nowhere and jump on you, pummel the daylights out of you, <laughs> and turn in a, a, a routine, easy day, week, month, or year into an ordeal, where you're not sure you'll survive, either physically, spiritually, emotionally. Who knows what I'm talking about? Does anyone here know what I'm talking about? All right. Yeah. Have you ever had an experience where you felt like you were going to drown under the weight of everything that's going around you? See, most of us have. In fact, all of us have, I'm guessing. Uh, I've come to describe these events, these life situations as storms. Now, there are all kinds of storms that we can have. We can have a relationship storm. Just, uh, just yesterday, I saw an old, uh, uh, old workmate um, who had become incredibly financially wealthy, like outstandingly wealthy, but in the process had met with some tragedy, blowing up their marriage. And we're both, uh, both of my friends in, the, in this marriage, they're on their second marriage and family split to some uh, to smithereens. And that's a relationship storm. There's financial storms. When your pile of bills are getting taller than the pile of money. And uh, that's a financial storm. There's work storms when there's pressure and struggles and work. There's parenting storms. How many of you parents here have had some storms with your children? (laughs) And then on the other side of that, there's parenting storms. How many of young people have had storms with your parents? And you think, dear God, help me from that. Uh, I know. There's school storms, there's health storms, there's all kinds of storms. And this morning, we're going to look at Scripture at how some people lived through a storm that threatened their lives and what we can learn from it. And I'm also going to share a a testimony of of a storm that I recently went through. So turn with me in your Bible, if you have your Bible with you. Otherwise, it'll be up on the screen to uh, Luke chapter 8. So the title of the message this morning is Faith in the Storm, Luke chapter 8. In verse 22, have you found it? Let me know. All right. It says in verse 22, one day, Jesus, he got into a boat with his disciples and he said, said to them, let's go across the other side of the lake. So they set out. And right there, that's a beautiful picture. That sounds like fun. I want to go for a sail on a lake with Jesus. You know, I mean, that that sounds awesome. Sailing sailing's great. If, if you've ever been sailing and you don't get seasick, it's stunning. So it begins as a, as a place of peace. And that's really how we begin, often how we begin our life with Jesus Christ. And we're following him and, and uh, we sense his love. We sense his grace. We sense uh, the hope and faith that we have and the newness of life that we have. But as they get on the boat and they go out to sea, A storm comes. Verse 23, it says, As they sailed, he, Jesus, fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. First thing I want you to see this morning is that storms happen in life, they're common to us. Everyone will go through storms and difficulties. And sometimes we don't even see where they're coming. We don't see how they, uh, where they come from. They just completely knock us unaware. And they come in all sorts and sizes, but they all have something in common. Storms threaten to drown us and to wreck us. You see, many of these guys who were in the ship that day, were in the boat with Jesus that day. They were experienced sailors. They weren't, they, they weren't uh, inexperienced people. They knew So when they're saying, we're going to drown, they know what's going to happen and they're afraid. And uh, often we can get in a situation where what's going on around us is so big and seems so overwhelming and threatens to drown us and we can think, oh God, I'm going to drown in this. I'm going to drown in this. We can say, Feel like during those times that Jesus, I signed up for a sail on the lake. <laughs> I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> I didn't sign up for any storms. I didn't sign up for anything that could cost me my life. I didn't sign up for this, Jesus. Where are you? <laughs> Let me tell you about my perfect storm that that came up a a little while back, and I help you get a picture of uh, of a storm what a storm looks like in my life. Well, a while back, one of my uh, one of my very first students, very first student from over five years ago, uh, in the Bible Training Center, he got in touch with me, and he's now pastoring his own church in a, in another city, and he's just uh, just a great, great guy, outstanding guy. And uh, he asked me, he said, Doug, would you come with me and help help me with uh, a training program against uh, with a, with a uh, minority people that live to the north of you in the, in the high mountains? They're a long way away. But there's a big group of them, and they really need some help. And uh, normally I would say, no, it's safer for them to come to me because you put this white face out in the in the uh, uh, in the remote villages, uh, you've got a big problem, and uh, uh, very quickly it's it's reported. But uh, it was a big group, and it was so remote, and there was a a a, uh, a facility that we could use, and I said, why not? I agreed. And I arranged a, a meeting because I arranged a week to do this training. And it's just a, a really outstanding opportunity. And I didn't want to let it go. So I signed up for the boat ride. I got in the boat with Jesus. And, uh, and off I took. And, uh, <laughs> but after agreeing with him to go, I tell you, all hell broke loose. Our uh, I'll tell you what it was, because it, it wasn't one thing. It was half a dozen things. First of all, I had an unusual amount of, of interest from the police. Now, what we do is, is illegal, and we live under a fair amount of pressure from the police anyway. We live in a communist nation that, that controls everything. And to a certain extent, it's uncomfortable, but we're used to it. We've learned to live with it. Uh, we've learned to live with, uh, with an unfriendly police presence in our backyard and, and sometimes in our house. And, uh, uh, but this time, it was at another level altogether. After I agreed to do the training, the police started applying an enormous amount of pressure on us. They were turning up where I was and asking questions, What are you doing here? Why are you here? Why, uh, tell us more about you, and it's and, uh, starting to get uncomfortable. At one stage, uh, I went and visited some friends. Just for an overnight, I took the uh, Kalinda and the girls uh, to another a city close by us, and uh, within a few hours of us arriving in that city, I've got a call from my landlord saying, Where are you? I said, I'm visiting some friends down in Mila. And, uh, and uh, they said... Well, we've got the police calling us, asking where you are and what you're doing. And you need to get back here and go and see them. So that kind of pressure is is hard to live with. You know, it's hard to live with any kind of pressure from the police, but that's another level altogether. And so they would turn up where I was and, and just raised a whole another area of concern for me because they can put me on a plane the next day with just a suitcase and, and, and what I'm wearing, uh, and a suitcase if, I, if I'm fortunate, you know, or I can find myself in a bigger mess than that, and the people that I'm with can, can uh, really suffer. So the first point of pressure, the second point of pressure is, my family was coming up for, and I was coming up for visa renewal. Every year, we have to renew our visa for another year to stay there, and uh, it's always a, a, a reasonable challenge when that comes, but uh, this year... It was even more difficult. Normally, the, my, uh, my school, I'm enrolled in a, in a language school that gives me the right to be there. And uh, they normally apply for it for me. This time, they're calling all foreigners and their families, all foreigners and their families, into an interview with the chief of police. And that's not fun. Uh, because it's not an interview, it's an interrogation. And uh, uh so uh, I again I can handle that. It's God by his grace I can I can deal with that. But I don't want my girls getting dragged in and, and and grilled by this guy because he, he's not a nice person. <laughs> and uh so all of a sudden, we've got, to, we've got to go and turn up to there, and the, the, the interview, the interrogation goes something like this: What are you doing here? Do you really think that you, at 47 years old with, uh, with a wife and three children, do you really expect me to believe that you're just studying Chinese? Well, Yeah. <laughs> Where does your money come from? How long are you staying? Are you a Christian? Are you telling people about Jesus? Now, you know, you can imagine the threat of this is, is, and I've got friends who are going through this and getting booted out. And uh, so I'm starting to sweat. So then another point of trouble comes. My girls' passports are all expiring over this time. They have to get their passports couriered back to New Zealand and then uh, processed, new ones sent back to us. And they all have to be back and within a window of time to enable us to make the application in time. And we can't send anything back to New Zealand without it getting lost. Friends can't send a bag of coffee to me with, without it getting snatched by, uh, uh, by, the, by the guys in the post office. And I'm thinking, oh my word, these are our identity papers. These are the only things that say who we are. And I've got to trust this to this system. It's scary. In addition to this my wife is going to Myanmar. She's going leaving China and going into Myanmar for a week of ministry. And she comes back right before that time. And I'm thinking of all the worst times we could do this because this just raises another enormous red flag on our application. What is this middle-aged woman of a uh, woman, what is this middle-aged woman, mother of three, doing in Myanmar? What is she doing there? Well, I don't want to tell her what, what she's doing there. I don't want to deal with that in interrogation. No way. Says so Kalinda, and then if it gets bad, it gets worse, our apartment contract which has been renewed every year routinely for the last three years. I ring up my landlord, and she goes, Oh, Doug, I want the apartment back uh, in four weeks' time. And I'm thinking, I am dead. (laughs) Six times, I am dead. (laughs) So God, how can we deal with this? And I, I tell you, that was my perfect storm, because I can't sleep with all that going on and, uh, uh, and uh, I'm looking at the waves, and they're starting to come into my little boat, and, uh, and I'm fr- to be honest, I'm freaking out. Um, I deal with a lot, of, a lot of stuff. We deal with a lot of stuff, but this altogether was, was something that was just altogether too much. And, uh, but let me tell you, the truth is, is that that's my storm, but I know each and every one here and as I visit friends, and, and I know that there's storms going on in people's lives here right now, and uh, uh, the truth is, is that storms happen; they happen, but they're not meant for us to drown. In fact, God's with us right in the middle of the storm, and He's not scared by the waves. I'm hanging over the ends of the ship, of, of my boat, being sick. <laughs> but but Jesus, he wasn't worried about us. And he's not worried about your storm either. You see, uh, the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts, he visited the early churches, and they were facing massive storms of persecution and trouble themselves. And it says that Paul went around strengthening the souls in Acts chapter 14 and 22. He says he strengthened the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. And saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. So I'm here this morning to strengthen your soul and encourage you to continue in the faith. Because whatever storm that is going on in your life, it doesn't worry, Jesus. You're not going to drown. There's a way out. We need to stay connected and strong and continue in the faith. Through that time, I had to clip myself on. You know, when you're in a storm at sea, you have a life harness, and you need to connect, clip it onto a, a, uh, onto a, a safety wire. And uh, my safety harness and my safety wire during that time and remains was Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For he, and it he says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for wholeness and not for evil, to give you a hope and a future. That's our God. He does not seek to destroy us but to demonstrate his power through whatever we're going through. And his heart for us is that he would prosper us, that he would strengthen us, that he would give us a hope and a future. Can someone say amen this morning? Amen. You see, when we're going through a storm, we can doubt the goodness of God. And lots of people get so miserable, they just dump, jump straight into the sea and drown because they figure, "I'll cut the pain. <laughs> That's why you need a safety harness. (laughs) But don't ever doubt the goodness of God. He's there for us. Let me tell you the next thing that storms are opportunity, opportunities for our growth. If you look further on in in Luke uh, chapter 8 and verse 24, it says the disciples they went and woke him, they woke Jesus saying, Master, we're perishing. We're dying. And Jesus woke up, and he rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was calm. See, in the midst of the storm, the disciples, they revealed two things. They revealed they didn't really know who Jesus was, and they revealed that they didn't fully trust him to save him from the storm. They called him Master, Master, and it's it's a little bit lost in English. While they were respectful, what that means simply is they were calling him Lord. I'm not certain. Say that again. They were not calling him Lord. They were simply calling Jesus leader, chief, or or boss. They were not calling him master or or, uh, Lord as we would know it. They only knew Jesus As a teacher, they thought maybe, maybe, maybe he was a prophet, but he was a good man, a good teacher, and they were willing to acknowledge that, but they did not know him as God. They still did not know that he was the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. They still did not know that He was God in the flesh, they still did not know that He was Savior of the world. And they revealed that just by calling Him leader, boss. See, just before Jesus had set out on the boat ride with these guys, He'd been teaching about faith. And I hear that over the last week while you guys have been uh, learning and, and uh, hearing about faith. He taught them the parable of the sower and how faith hears the word. It's a great thing for us to hear the word of God, to read the word of God, to listen to preaching of the word. He taught them that faith holds on tight to the word. It's a great thing to take time to memorize and meditate on scripture. He taught them that faith grows in a heart that has integrity and honesty. And we need to take care of the condition of our heart. They had heard that faith does the word. It's no good to just hear the word and walk away in our own lives. Faith takes action on what we believe. So they had heard all this. And all of this in our lives and their lives builds up a storehouse, a reserve of faith. But we don't really know what's there until we face a storm that threatens to wipe us out. Because storms reveal our fears, our insecurities, our faults, and our failings. Uh, there's a quote from a, a guy called Oswald Chambers that, that I, I love. I'll just read it to you. It says, when you're on the mountaintop, it's easy to say, oh, yes, I, I believe God can do that. But you have to come down from the mountain to the demon-possessed valley and face the realities that scoff at you and your belief. And he says, every time my theology or my belief comes clear in my own mind, I encounter something that contradicts it. As soon as I say, I believe God shall supply all my need, the testing of my faith begins. And he says that when my strength runs dry and my vision is blinded, Will I endure this trial of my faith victoriously or will I turn back in defeat? And in the midst of the storm, these are questions that I ask myself. You see, experiences of trial are important to the formation of our faith and strength. We need them in James chapter 1 and, and verse 2 to 4, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for rejoicing. Considering it, consider it an opportunity for joy. Pastor Dave was talking about the will of God this morning. The will of God is that we rejoice always, not just while we're on the mountaintop, But when we're in the demon-possessed valleys below, we rejoice whatever is going on in our lives because our God is King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the Savior of our world, and He's your Savior, and He's my Savior. He will not let us drown. He will not let us drown. You know, I've always had a saying in life that what doesn't kill me just makes me stronger. (laughs) Turns out, actually, that's biblical. (laughs) What doesn't kill us just makes us stronger. So turn to the person next to you and say, what doesn't kill me just makes me stronger. opportunity for great joy. Isn't that a challenge right there, right? Wow, grace for that. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, let me tell you something else about storms. Storms bring us into a greater revelation of who Jesus is. Storms reveal to us the truth of the nature and the goodness of God. Storms revealed in the midst of storms. We encounter God in a way that we would never have any idea of before or outside of a storm, outside of a time of peace. It says that in uh, verse 24 and 25, when they awoke, they said, Master, Master, we're perishing, we're drowning. He awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging, uh, raging waves, and they ceased, and there was calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? Now, it's beautiful right there. He doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't give them a, a, a hard time. In Chinese, it says, Ni de xin xin zai na? There's a little end to it that softens it. And it's like, hey, what are you worried about? Where's your faith? It's gentle. It's beautiful. He didn't beat on them and say, you pathetic little specimens. You useless little worms, don't you trust me or something? What's wrong with you? He didn't say that. There's a softness to it and a beauty to it. The disciples, they went into the storm with some assumptions about Jesus. They called him master or chief or captain or leader. They assumed that Jesus was just a great teacher or a prophet. That I'd seen his miracles of healing and deliverance, but they still didn't get it. At this point, the disciples didn't fully get that Jesus was God in the flesh. Jesus was the same God that they spoke of and sang of in the Psalms. In Psalm 104, 5 to 9, it says... You, God, you set the heavens on its foundations so that it shall never be shaken. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke, they flee. At the sound of your thunder, they take flight. They rose up to the mountains, ran down to the valleys, to the place that you appointed for them. You set a boundary that they may not pass. This is the God that they sang of, the God that they worshipped in the Old Testament. And now in the midst of this storm, as Jesus rises up and rebukes the wind and the sea and declares it to be calm, he says, I am that God. Who am I? Who am I? I am the God who made heaven and earth. I form the seas and everything is subject to me and I am with you I am with you I am with you right here now I tell you that's that is incredible In the midst of the storm when we see The power of God, answer us. The same God who determines the boundaries of the sea, all of our knowledge that we know up here, conflicts with the fears that really reside in our hearts. And then we encounter the power of God that casts those fears out and brings peace and calm Let me tell you, the waves and the wind still know his name. They know his name. Come on, someone say amen. Hallelujah. You see, the storms that we face are not to destroy us, but to demonstrate the awesome saving power of God to work miracles in us and through us and for us. Who then is this? that He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey Him. His name is Jesus, the name above every name, the name at which every knee shall bow, and eventually every sea, every storm will be stilled. He's our Savior because He saves us, not only from our sin, but He saves us from the storms that threaten to overwhelm us and swallow us. Let me tell you what happened to my storm real quickly. The police suddenly backed right off and stopped harassing us. One day there, next day gone. The girls all got their passports back on the last possible day, last possible day to present them. Kalinda got back safely from Myanmar with no questions asked By any authorities. The landlord phoned me. and This doesn't happen, okay? The landlord phoned me and she said, you know, we've been friends for three years. And uh, she said, I don't want to put you under pressure. So I'm going to extend out the lease for for another six months. And uh, uh, that doesn't happen. She needed that property. I needed it too. (laughs) But she said, I don't want to put you guys under pressure. Let's go for another six months. The police chief, who was wanting to interview our entire family, decided that he would only interview me. My little girls didn't have to turn up to that. And let me tell you, when I was in that meeting, what happened was so mind-boggling I still can't get it. I still scratched my head. He didn't even ask me any questions. He told me. He told me that I was a retired businessman and I was welcome here. <laughs> <laughs> See, all of these events happened and created a perfect window also for me to disappear into the mountains for a week to meet with these people. I'll show you where I went. Because on the other side of that storm for me was, was an incredible experience that I had dreamed of and prayed for, but not yet experienced or seen. I journeyed up into the mountains high. This is, this is breathtakingly high. And these people, they ran up into the mountains some 150 years ago because they were being exterminated like rats and, uh, by the majority race. And uh, so they had retreated high up into the mountains that even today to get to them is an ordeal. Uh, we went from, from, uh, from highway to, to, uh, uh, to gravel road to mud track to something that's not even a mud track and uh, to get to these people. And they live there and they farm on mountaintops and, the, and, and hillsides where they cut out ledges, sometimes not even as wide as this platform here, and they try and grow maize. And, um, uh, you know, they they just eck out a living. And many of these people, next slide, many of these people had had ridden after eight hours over mountains like this on motorbikes in, in nearly freezing conditions for this training because they were so desperate to hear the Word of God. And I tell you, that's humbling. That's really humbling. But what happened in this time was something that I've dreamed of for a long, long time. On the first day that I was there, you know, I was tired and worn out from what I'd already been through. And uh, one of the men came to me and he said, he said, Pastor, I don't know if I'm going to be able to stay. I've just got an excruciating um, uh, toothache and I'm in so much pain I can barely think and, uh, you know, I, I said to him, look, if you can stay for the first session, I, I want to pray for you. And uh, uh, so if we can flick over the next, next slide. There's a man there. And um, uh, so we got together and we, I, I taught them. I taught them from the Word of God. And it's great to teach from the Word of God. It's great to hear the Word of God. But at the end of that, I just asked that the Holy Spirit would come and minister to them. And the Spirit of God came into that place so incredibly that these men who have been living just incredibly, incredibly, just unbelievably hard lives. The Spirit of God just came on them. They began to weep. Some of them began to manifest evil spirits. And they Left them like that. The man who had come to me and said, I don't know whether I can stay because of this toothache. He just wept and bawled, cried. It was snot and tears everywhere. (laughs) And uh, I began a a, a time that was just just wild. At the end of that time, I asked, I said, tell me what's happened. And this man who had come to me, he said, At the beginning, he came straight up and he said, when I came here, I thought I was going to have to go. I was in so much pain. But the moment the Holy Spirit came into this place, the pain completely left me. It was gone. He said, there's nothing there at all. No pain, no nothing. That man stayed for the for the full week, and he was an incredible blessing. But it began as a, a move that was just so wild for me that even now, I, I, these people work so hard. They don't work, they don't eat. And even when they work incredibly hard, they still may not eat that much. So meal times are an important time for them. And uh, really important time. And so... Yeah, if I could have the band, that'd be great. Thanks, Kate. And one mealtime, we're all just sitting, eating, out in the yard. And the Spirit of God, without me praying or anything, just comes on these people. And one by one, the Spirit of God just completely fills them up. They are on the ground laughing holding their sides and just weeping and crying with joy. They forget completely about their meal. Completely. And they just receive the Spirit of God. And moves from there, they go into two hours of spontaneous praise and worship where all these men... From the mountains, are worshiping God and singing, and no one can stop them. I tell you right now, let every head bow. Every head bow this morning. The God we serve is an awesome God, and He's with us no matter how alone you may feel right now, no matter how difficult your situation may be right now. The God who created heaven and earth is there with you now. And maybe you've never received Him into your life, but I tell you, He loves you. And He wants to make your life whole. And He wants to be with you in the midst of the storm. You can choose to go through it by yourself, and plenty of people do. But I tell you, when you're going through the things that we go through in life, don't be alone. Don't be by yourself in it. He's a good God. If you'd like to receive Jesus Christ today, just lift up your hand and show me if there's anyone here this morning who would like to receive Jesus Christ today and receive him into their lives. Is anyone here saying, Pastor, I need day. No, I need I need God. I need Jesus. Receive Him. Is anyone here? The rest of us who are going through storms and struggles. I want you to know that you're not alone. Jesus is with you. The waves and the wind, they still know His name. The trial isn't to destroy you. It's to just demonstrate His goodness for you and His love for you. If you'd like prayer and ministry today, then by all means, we'd be really happy to pray for you. Don't hold back. Just come on forward as we worship today. Otherwise, let's all just stand up and worship and declare the goodness of God in this place. Amen. amen? The Bible says that you are more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are more than a conqueror. Fantastic. Thanks, Doug, for ministering to us this morning. We just want to take up an offering right now for Doug. So if you have an F-Post card and you want to give by F-Post, see the nice lady at the back there? She's waving her hand. She's got an f machine there. If you want to give by f POS this morning, you can give by that. Otherwise, you can put an I-O-U. But we're going to just sing one more time. We glorify your name. And let's prepare our hearts to give this morning. God bless you.